Hi, I'm Mark Richardson, and welcome to Remodeling Mastery. Remodeling Mastery is a podcast series that's actually supported by a professional remodeler and the National Association of the Remodeling Industry. What I try to do is I take different topics that I think are really thought-provoking and relevant to really give you a chance to think about your business, not just do your business. This podcast series is produced by my friends at Surefire Local. This week, I want to talk about a topic that I think is going to be one that is happening out there all around us, but we really don't know exactly. As we all know, there's this year, 2020, has been a tremendous amount of uncertainty coming into this year, as well as throughout the course of the year. I think one of the questions that I find as I work with different remodelers is what will stick and what will go back to normal? Even the term normal or the new normal, and I've been talking about the newest normal because it's changing so quickly. So this whole notion of what will stick, I think is important because if you know or you think certain things are going to stick, are you preparing yourself? Are you preparing your team to really get more and more proficient and even masterful at those particular things? So I've made actually a list of things, and I've tried to break it into three categories. One is the client, two is project types, and three is your business. So let me just go down this list, and I'll just give you kind of the highlights of this. But most importantly, I would hope you can create a list. As I said earlier, it's critical on those things that are going to be fads or just passing then you don't need to necessarily spend a lot of time. You just need to kind of get through it. However, the things that are clearly going to stick, you might as well invest the time and the energy and the training and whatever it takes to do to get better at it. So the first is on the client side. The good news is for home improvement relative to a lot of other verticals is that I think the client has and will continue to make the home a top priority. So what does this mean? If something is a top priority, well, your messaging maybe needs to shift a bit from what it's been in the past to this is their most important asset. This is, in fact, their uh, place that they want to be investing the time and energy. The secondly, second thing, which is, again, pretty obvious, but it's pretty clear that they're going to working from home certainly more than they are working at the office. So this might change, I think, your sales process uh, certainly a bit. Uh, You also have the whole notion of health and safety in the home. That is going to continue to be, I think, important. And I think not only the type of projects, but again, how you present to a client in terms of your concerns with health and safety, uh, not only in terms of first impressions, but also in terms of what you do in production, I think will be critical. Uh, I also think the home is going to take on a lot of other functions besides just obviously shelter. We've already talked about the the home office. It's also going to be a school. It's also going to be, I think, an area that, you know, people can kind of hunker down and make a little bit of a mini compound when they need to, because clearly this pandemic has taught us that we need to kind of prepare for that. I think another issue that's going to be important is homeowners are getting more and more comfortable with some of the technologies 
just like they did with Uber and with Amazon and certainly with Airbnb and other kinds of businesses out there. So I think while you may not be selling virtually or doing a lot of interaction with clients virtually, I think it's pretty clear the homeowners are going to drive that moving forward, not necessarily you. I think the notion of moving versus staying, if a homeowner has a really good lot, if they've got a good community, a good school system, I think the likelihood that they're going to stay put as, as opposed to always looking for the next step, I think is certainly going to be greater. And we've certainly seen kind of this wave of people moving out of the city more into fresh air, more into suburban. And I think that's certainly become important. Another element as you think about the homeowner is the demographic. And while we certainly don't know for sure, I think it's fairly safe to say the older clients, they're going to want to stay in their home. The older clients are not going to want to necessarily move into nursing homes and moving into assisted living quite as easily. So I would say you might be buying yourself, you know, an extra two to five years with respect to people wanting to be in their home a little bit longer. And certainly uh, uh, that's going to affect how they're going to approach things in terms of their home remodeling, both in terms of aging in place, as well as in terms of how they think about kind of the next step in their lives. Another element, which is not so obvious, but I'm hearing this from more and more remodelers, is that men will have more of a impact in the remodeling process. Now, this doesn't mean that it's going to dramatically change. However, the men are more accessible right now because in many ways you have couples working from home and therefore they're more accessible. And when you're more accessible and certainly staring at the remodeling, you might have more engagement. Contactless type of expectation on the part of the client is going to be much, much greater. I think how you approach it in terms of your systems, your processes, your technologies, I think will be important. And then lastly, and certainly not least, reputation and how you are different from the pack is going to be more important than I think the issues of certainly cost and, and just your ability to be able to do the projects. So let's dive into the projects. So clearly outdoor living for all the obvious reasons is going to, it's not only hot, but it's kind of here to stay. And I think in a big way, and I think the more that you can start to see yourself not only renovating the home, but also the outdoor space, I think is going to be important. You know, vintage type things in homes like that, that beautiful old vintage bathroom, I think that's going to be more scary in the future than charming. I think people are going to see, for example, those elements in the home, they're going to be concerned about it in terms of the health and safety and the germs. So I think the notion of projects like completely freshen up, using materials that are going to be more sterile and those kind of things are going to be more important. Certainly kitchens and baths will continue to be very hot. Open spaces in homes are not as desirable as they were in the past. I'm actually hearing this from remodelers that clients are calling them up to actually add French doors or, or close off certain spaces so that they can have more definition for either uh, private activities, office activities, those kind of things, so that they're not one big open space. Energy efficiency, I think it's going to become less of a fad and certainly become more. Maybe it's going to be a little bit of kind of getting off the grid, so to speak, that that's going to be important. 
Mudrooms are also going to be even more important as a space. It's not just that leftover space. It's that transitionary sanitization type of space, I think, moving forward. Uh, Healthy materials just in general are going to be more top of mind. And, you know, this notion of the fad, so to speak, of the green home, I think, is going to definitely be more part of the conversations. Air and water systems are going to become more the norm. And I think the expertise that remodelers are going to need to have with air and water systems and integrating them into their design process uh, is, is, is going to happen. We're also going to just see more innovation, more innovation in terms of the uses of different activities in the home. And the project type, you know, may also shift a bit based on the scarcity of materials that are out there, especially during the next uh, year or two years. If we do see some scarcity material, it, you might need to be light of foot and kind of shift your type of projects to kind of mirror up to that. So the third element or third leg of the stool is it, as it relates to what's going to stick is the business itself. I think the team interaction, culture, uh, dynamic, and that whole dance is going to have to be addressed as individual team members are further and further away from the office as their kind of home hub and home base. I think it's going to change the way we communicate and how we interact. The employee wanting more flexible workspace is not necessarily going to be up to the employer. I think you might lose key people purely because of having that flexibility to work from home or even work remotely from either a second home or certainly closer to the family. Real estate, I think, is also going to be looked at very differently. So those people that are looking at square footage or, quite frankly, having square footage ought to be thinking now, what might that look like a year, two years, five years from now? I think having large square footage is not necessarily the best. However, the flip side of that is also having spaces that are much more open and airy as opposed to, uh, you know, tight and, and, and defined. Leaders are going to be more empathetic, more empathetic of the flexibility, as I mentioned earlier, but also more engaged in terms of binding kind of the team members together. Technology acumen is is going to become a given for everyone. I think this notion of, you know, of, of not having the technology skills, whether you're in the field or in the office, is not going to be accepted, and that's really going to fall Uh, a lot of people short. So it's important that you invest into making sure that that training and that education happens. You know, safe work environment and schedules will be important. Scheduling of projects, I think those kind of things. You know, the business skills are going to be as or more important certainly than the remodeling skills. We've been talking about this for years, but I think there's a lot of trickiness that is going on there. Certainly business sales and business transitions especially with the amount of infusion of money coming into the remodeling industry is going to be greater. Marketing, the intellectual elements of marketing, the data behind the marketing, the dashboard behind the marketing that you can get even from organizations like Surefire are going to be really, really important, I think, moving forward. And certainly those that kind of can own the installation and production process more so than just the marketing and sales process, I think oftentimes will not only be the winners, but will be the most profitable. 
So while I don't have a crystal ball, I do think there are going to be things, especially as we march further and further away here, that will stick. And there may be some that drip back. But I think if you can identify the things that you think will stick or likely to stick, start to invest the time and energy discussing those things, investing a little bit of money into new technologies that allow you to be better at those. I think when we do uh, come out with the proper vaccines and we start to go back to certainly a little bit more personal interaction with things, there's going to be certain things that I think are going to stick. And those are the things that I think will, in fact, separate you from the pack. So again, stay tuned to our interview coming up here shortly. But again, I want to thank everybody and certainly thank my supporters of Remodeling Mastery. Take care, everyone. Welcome back. I'm your host, Mark Richardson, and we're today moving into our second part of Remodeling Mastery. And we're going to be talking with a very special guest, a friend of mine, Michael Anschel, who is a design-build remodeler from the Minneapolis area. Uh, his company, OA, Design Build Architecture, uh, from that area, uh, really focuses on, I think, some interesting things that we'll be talking about today. You know, what we try to do in this segment with, you know, some of the different thought leaders and interviews is really go a little bit deeper into not only the themes and the concepts that we talk about, but also you know, some of the applications and, and, and practices that some of the, you know, some of the folks in the country are doing. So welcome, Michael, to uh, Remodeling Mastery. Thanks for having me, Mark. So, Michael, let's, let's talk about, you know, obviously we want to get into the meat of our topic in a moment here, which is going to be focused on, you know, kind of the, how the home is changing and the, how the interest in health and safety and all those kind of things are, uh, are becoming uh, kind of more important that, you know, it's not just a house anymore. It's a, it's a school. It's a, uh, you know, it's a sanctuary. It's a place that uh, people obviously are working at home. So they're looking at it very differently. And I think given the, the environment, certainly with the pandemic, uh, it makes it a top priority that we care about health and safety. But before we actually do that, let's talk a little bit more about uh, about you and your background and how this has become not only an interest, but but certainly a passion of yours over the years. So give us a little bit of background on, on you. You know, my, my least favorite subject is myself. So this is, uh, <laughs> I'm serious, I don't, I, I don't talk about it much. Um, so I, I think I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out why, you know, why I'm even in the remodeling industry sometimes pops up. Um, and I've definitely worked hard to engineer myself out of my business, you know, for years at a time so that I can pursue the things that I really am excited about, like the green, you know, the green building program that we built here in Minnesota. Um, but I spent, you know, I spent three years living in, um, in China and Japan. Uh, I enrolled in a university in Beijing and, and learned to read and write. Chinese uh, and have traveled extensively around the world. Um, and I think that even before that, my underlying interests were uh, this hybrid of science and philosophy, like, like probably like a lot of, you know, 
teenagers who are, you know, pick up books and start to explore the worlds that are out there. I also picked up a passport and then went and, and toured them. And I think that global perspective and the perspective that comes with, um, you know, like speaking Chinese, which is such a very, very different language, it, it offers some insight into um, and maybe some distance from how we do things um, that, that adds perspective. And, I, and since then, I've, I've really tried to cultivate with the company and with our culture, rather than growing and becoming, uh, you know, a five, six, eight million dollar company on being a smaller company that is um, that, that, that the purpose of the company of the company is to provide a place for um, and people to come and pursue the things that they're most excited about. So when it comes to kind of this whole green uh, focus, how has your, uh, how's your company, uh, kind of evolved as a result of some of these experiences living in China or, you know, some of these different experiences you've had? I mean, so that's yeah, the, the gateway to green building. Interesting enough was, was, um, was chemistry. Uh, when I was doing ceramics and the, and starting up in the remodeling industry at the same time, looking at the back of the, you know, the turning the can of paint around to see what was it, what it was, what it was made of. And man, you know, you, it doesn't take long before you realize what you're exposing yourself to on, on a daily basis. And it's, it's a lot of nasty stuff. Um, and from there, taking a look at what things were, you know, versus what we thought they were. Well, there's a lot of building practices that, we we would engage in, but the why was missing. And so then you pick up Journal of Light Construction and you start to dig into the whys and you discover that there's a lot of things that we're doing that that the books don't even agree with, but they've become common practice in the field. And so then trying to take a step back and look at what is the science of building? What is the science of the process and the materials and how do those materials react or interact with each other? It's a really... Uh, a quick and short trip from there into the green building world, which is really that evolution of um, health, uh, environmental concerns, uh, building science, um, resilience, durability, and I mean, it's it's a really cool, big, giant umbrella of subjects, but it's all foundationally science. So, with someone who obviously is kind of dedicated a good part of you know, your, your energies towards, you know, the healthy home and green building, you know, I mean, you've experienced certainly the, you know, green building being a little bit of the flavor of the month, sadly. Uh, however, today, given COVID, all of a sudden, that conversation is not the flavor of the month anymore. It, it's the top priority. Hmm. Share kind of some of your, I guess, you know, what, what you're, how you're, not just what you're seeing, but how you're feeling about the conversations changing, you know, given the pandemic. The, the conversation around um, occupant health is one that people, 
have, have always been interested in having when it comes to their, their children or, uh, or their parents, but rarely when it comes to themselves. And I'm hearing uh, more interest and more concern while we're exploring projects with clients. Uh, it'll, it'll be said as a kind of an aside, you know, by the way, we just want to make sure we're spending a lot of time in the house and we want to make sure that it's, that it's going to be safe and healthy. Um, there's more attention and interest being vocalized now around uh, materials and clients who express no interest in green building during the design process into construction, who then make a phone call and say, hey, you know, I, I thought that um, we were using uh, ultra low VOC paints on this job and kind of out of the blue, right? And we're like, yeah, that's, that's the plan. They're like, well, there's a can of sealer that the, that the painters are using that uh, it says on the can, it's 500 grams per liter. And I looked it up and that's not ultra low VOC. Wow. So, and that's not just one or two, two instances. It's people are very hyper aware of the materials um, that they bring into their house. They're gonna be living with them and they want their homes to, to be healthier in general. I don't know if that's specific enough of an answer. I, no, I get it. And I, you know, again, I think uh, it's this heightened interest. What I see is, you know, the real power of all this is that, uh, you know, it, it, it's kind of moving it up the priority list, you know, where, you know, for some, maybe this was a top priority, but for many, it was maybe number seven on the list. And now it's, moved itself up. And when something's a priority, you're going to, you're, you know, you're going to be focused on it. Now, materials are obviously one of the key legs to kind of uh, without gas and, and all the different kind of elements there. But an area that you've actually, you, you know, you discussed in more detail at the Harvard Remodeling Futures panel that we did recently that I think would be interesting to maybe spend a little bit more time talking about it. And that is the whole uh, uh, healthy air. Uh, because, you know, it's one thing that you have the materials, fine, but air is something that's a little different than just the materials. Maybe you can touch on that topic. Yeah, the, the air we share, right? <laughs> right. The, most people look at a room without anything in it and they say it's empty but it's full, right? <laughs> full of air. Um, yeah, so uh, air exchange, uh, ERVs and HRVs um, have been around for some time and they allow us to, they function like lungs, they're ventilators, um, which is a word that everyone's very familiar with these days. And the purpose is to make sure that we are getting clean air, um, into the house and we are avoiding builds up buildups of carbon dioxide, carbon monoxide and VOCs, ozone, the formaldehyde, all of the, the stuff that is in our homes. And prior to COVID, you know, back in 2005, EPA study came out um, that identified indoor air quality being, you know, four to eight times worse than outdoor air quality. And that's a result of the built environment. And the built environment is the space in which we play. We create these spaces. So it's very much our responsibility then to 
Um, we should we should be building a space. We should build building an environment for clients that is not worse than the one that's outside. I think that should be our baseline. Um, and I think that when people suddenly are spending a lot of time in their home, they become more aware of maybe a smell or they've got to go work in the basement and the basement's always been a little bit mildewy or, or something along those lines. Now they're very aware of it. Um, and so we're having more conversations around making sure that an ERV or HRV is installed, but more than that, installing it properly. And this is a super in the, in the weeds type conversation uh, for those people who are interested in HVAC. You know, putting a piece of equipment in a house is one thing. Putting the equipment in the house the right way is something entirely different. And uh, in certain areas, the codes have evolved more. Um, they are more evolved than other places, and they require that ducted clean air be ducted directly to each room individually. So it's a it's a distributed system instead of a general system. And the, in, in the times of COVID, the advantage now is, let's say someone in the family has COVID and you quarantine them to their room. If the house is designed and built properly so that it has this ventilation where each room has its own fresh air and its own return air, the air is not mixing. The air from bedroom one is not mixing with bedroom two. Right. And in this, these times, that is something that people want to talk about. So besides the air, another element that I know you've been, uh, you know, kind of interested in is, is the importance of, the, of, of light in terms of, you know, it addressing and potentially killing germs. Maybe you can just touch on, you know, either a couple of, you know, experiments you've done with your, your toolbox uh, or some things that, that, you know, might be of interest to the listeners. Yeah, the UVC, UVC light, um, which is an invisible light to humans, um, destroys viruses and living things. And we created this toolbox that we could um, have on site, drop your gloves, your tools, your mask, whatnot, in the box, close the lid, wait three minutes, everything's clean. I think that in... Korea and Japan and in China, UVC light is used far more ubiquitously than it is in the U.S. Hotels will use it to sanitize rooms when guests leave. Um, and I think that we're going to see some of that, those technologies, whether they are, um, you know, personal small box for your cell phone and keys when you come in and out of the house or something larger um, where people are setting up these remote stand, light UVC light stands to clean a room or clean a house um, while they're not in it. I, I suspect that, you know, places like mudrooms, entrances and exits of homes are going to evolve uh, to include some kind of sanitizing station. Um, we uh, in the group talked about germaphobes and, um, and everyone is is very hyper kind of, of aware of that right now, but I don't think it's going to unstick, right? I mean, the, 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 I think with all of this, that these are things that will that will. Some of it is really good that it'll stick. Mask wearing when you're sick is a really good practice for us to get in the habit of. In these 
when it comes to sanitation, I think, I think that people are going to bring these devices into the home. I think they're going to look for us to create spaces for that. Um, and I, and I think that those are, those are, I think those are longer term behavior shifts versus trends. You know, that, that's a good segue into, I think one other topic that we'll touch on and then we'll wrap up, Michael is, you know, is as, as we play this out, you know, when we first got into this, we were thinking, okay, let's get through the next three, four months. Then all of a sudden we realized that, you know, it's probably a little bit too short term. And now we're looking much more, you know, this could not only be another year, but we could bolt on even pandemics onto each other. And it, it kind of becomes a way of life. Some of the things we're, we're experiencing so with that notion of kind of what's going to stick versus what's going to maybe slip back, maybe not go back to normal, but certainly slip back without it being a top, top priority. You know, I know you don't have a crystal ball, but what, what do you think uh, of the things that we're experiencing right now are likely to stick? That's a great question, Mark. I keep going back to polio and looking at how Americans lived through the polio years and what behaviors came from polio, or even from flu. Oversized radiators in homes were, uh, and oversized equipment have stuck, uh, have stuck around for a long time, because opening a window was how you cleaned your house. Um, that's shifted. That one took like 80 years to shift, 90 years to shift. Um, so from this one, I think that the culture of mask wearing in when people are sick and in public spaces is going to be around for quite some time. And that means that it's an accessory. So then we're going to see development, I think, in clothing and in space, like people have a mask rack in their home now, right? Or a mask pocket. I mean, there's all of these little things. There's companies producing technology around masks because they're being used so much. Um, I think awareness of indoor environment is going to stick. The open floor plan, I think, is already uh, it was already limping. I think it's it's I don't think it's dead yet, but definitely um, people are asking for private spaces again, and I think we're going to see a lot more design in the home or remodeling around flexibility. And the ADU, which was <clears throat> emerging, is going to become, I think for cities who don't yet have ADUs, it's coming. For cities who have ADUs stuff, it's going to get easier. I, I, uh, families are going to pull together a little bit. They already are pulling together a little bit more. They're looking for a way to keep their parents close to them. Um, the, you know, the, the, the homes where we send people to die, <laughs> right? Um, I think that that's been seen as a big flaw. And I think there's a lot of folks who are going to react to that in a strong way. So I think that you're going to see more and more people saying, hey, I want an extra living space, an extra suite, a maybe I'm renting it out in the future, maybe I'm airbnb it, or maybe that's where mom and dad come and live because who knows what's going to happen out there again. Excellent. Well, listen, I want to thank uh, Michael Anchel for joining me today. And again, this has been hopefully for many of you 
you know, kind of thought provoking and, you know, encouraging you to not necessarily predict what that future is going to look like, but, you know, at least sensitive to the fact that, you know, that that future might look quite a bit different than it was in the past. And I think the more that you kind of allow yourself to kind of keep your ear to the ground and watch and be sensitive to this, you know, there's a lot of silver linings out there. And I think that, you know, with, I think, some of the things that Michael's talking about today, uh, I think you're certainly seeing that. So again, I want to thank our supporters of Remodeling Mastery, uh, the podcast series, Professional Remodeler, as well as NARI, the National Association of the Remodeling Industry, and certainly my friends at Surefire that produce this. So thank you, Michael, for joining today. Thank you, Mark. Thank you for listening to Remodeling Mastery by Mark G. Richardson, produced by Surefire Local. You can subscribe to this podcast on any mobile phone using iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.